Welcome to our first episode of Columbine and Them and You and Me and Everybody. Today we'll listen to the story of Sean Lee. My name is Sean Lee. I was born in Denver and then uh, me and my parents lived there until I uh, was about in kindergarten, and then we moved to California from, you know, kindergarten to about grade mm, seven, and then moved back to Colorado. And uh, I was a senior at Columbine on the, um, during the shooting. Can you tell us a bit about the kind of teenager you were? Sure, yeah. So um, I feel like I was just kind of a normal teenager. I had a, you know, a small kind of close group of friends and um, was generally a little quiet and shy and probably, um, you know, a little bit on the less popular end of uh, the spectrum, <laughs> um, but still, um, you know, had a good home life and felt like, um, you know, going to school was just something we did and um, enjoyed going to school for the most part. I really wanted to go to college. That was just kind of uh, a big goal uh, my grandfather went to college, and uh, that was the only person that had been to college in my family. So that was just uh, very important for me to go to college and then just kind of take things from there. I didn't really have career aspirations of what I exactly wanted to do growing up. You know, I had things that I thought about doing here or there, but really no uh, like overarching dreams that that uh, kind of guided <laughs> guided things. I grew up in the '90s was. You know, before there were cell phones that were ubiquitous. And so, you know, if you wanted to see a friend, you had to call them up or go and see them. And so I felt like it was kind of a special time before technology kind of took over and we were able to just be normal friends. And yeah, it was, it was just interesting. I, and growing up in Colorado was nice. You know, you had all of the, everything that was beautiful outside and um, all the weather and the snow and, uh, just being able to go out and do cool things. Uh, I think just being able to grow up in a time period before, you know, cell phones and internet took over was kind of a nice thing. It's a nostalgic thing to look back on. Can you share a bit about your experience at Columbine? Um, were you enjoying the school, the atmosphere there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I mean, it was kind of a mixed bag. Um, I mean, obviously things have been kind of colored differently with the events that took place, like right at the very end of my high school time there. But overall, I would say it was mostly positive. Um, I had some wonderful teachers there that I still think about, um, and I feel like they really made an impact on my life. I think there's always things in different school settings where things aren't, aren't perfect, but I think overall. Uh, I think I had a pretty positive experience at Columbine. I had um, just good friends and there were lots of activities to do and um, felt like, um, you know, you just had your own group and and were able to hang out with them. And it was just kind of a nice experience being able to uh, go there and then just also um, being able to interact with the teachers that um, were really good um, was, was a nice thing. There's um, one teacher, um, his name is Mr. Snelly, um, and he was kind of a, a teacher that 
just everybody seemed to really enjoy uh, his class was very popular and he had a way of connecting with the students in a way that wasn't, um, you know, not like getting down on their level necessarily, but just uh, a really good way of connecting with students. Yeah, just a, a great guy in general. He, every every uh, person who took his class, he has a picture of and he puts it up on their wall. Um, and so when I was back there for the 20th high school reunion, uh, we were able to go back into the school and I found my picture on his wall and it's completely covered. Back then, when my picture was first up there, the walls weren't nearly as covered and now it's, it's all of his walls are completely covered with every student that he's ever had in there. So that was really good. Did you experience some bullying at Columbine? It, it's kind of funny. It doesn't, it, it's one of those things where you think about it after the fact, you know, if you are just kind of living in the experience, it might not necessarily be something that you're aware of. Um, but looking back on it, there were definitely times where I felt like I was bullied. There was nothing physical, but there was just a lot of uh, teasing, um, a lot of people um, making fun of me for just, I mean, really minor things. But I remember there were a number of times where I felt like I didn't want to go to school that day because I didn't want to, you know, interact with those people during that day. Or I just want to avoid the class where I knew these people were going to be. Um, yeah, so... If you had asked me kind of during the time, I don't know if I would have said necessarily that I was experiencing it. But now that, you know, you, there's some distance between it, um, it's clear that, yeah, there, there definitely was. Um, I don't know if it just became normalized, if that was just for me or if it was something where um, other people were also experiencing that. But um, I definitely feel like there was, yeah, definitely instances of it and enough to make me not want to go to school certain days just to avoid those confrontations. Were you aware or concerned about uh, topics like violence, gun violence, shooting, mental health issues? Uh, no, that was never something that was really discussed. It wasn't really necessarily a, a topic. Um, there were school counselors, but you know they were seen more as just kind of like guidance for your careers and, and helping you through school, but not necessarily for a mental health sort of perspective. Um, and yeah, just gun violence was just never something that was brought up. I have high school age children, and I know that today it's something where there's a lot of support for students. You know, there's counseling services, there's anti-bullying campaigns. Teachers are very proactive about it. It's on the forefront of a lot of students' minds and, you know, my own children go through active shooter drills at school. It's very much on the forefront of some of the things that are going on today in schools, but that back then it just, it just wasn't an, an idea. And I can I ask you, how was your senior year before the shootings? Yeah, no, senior year I think was great. I was excited to go to college and just kind of move on from my parents' place. Generally, things are a little bit easier your senior year. It really felt like we were just kind of winding down the year until um, summer, and then most of us were moving on to college. And so those days just seemed kind of a little bit carefree and that you were just almost at the finish line and um, you were going to graduate and, and move on with your life. And you were, um, it felt like you were, I don't know, like trying to solidify 
friendships too, because, you know, some people are going to be moving on to out of state or going to different colleges or staying home. And so it really felt like a lot of people were getting closer with their relationships and the friendships just because there's a good chance that people are moving on. I, I enjoyed my senior year up until that point, obviously. Thank you, Sean. And so can I ask you, um, how was the day of the shooting for you? It was a, a normal day. Um, usually during lunch, I would either eat lunch in the cafeteria or in the library. Um, and that day just Um, ate lunch in the cafeteria, um, was at a table with a number of my friends. And um, what I remember was um, we had a school janitor. He came in and he told, you know, everybody to get into the tables. We didn't really know what was going on. Um, everybody just kind of, kind of got quiet. So if, if you can imagine that, you know, there's a parking lot And there's a big kind of array of windows that look out to the parking lot. And I'm sitting pretty far towards the the stairs, which is in the back of the cafeteria. And everybody gets on their tables. No one's really, everybody's pretty quiet, not really understanding what's happening. And then um, I don't know if people could see what was going on in the parking lot or if they could see uh, the shooters um, as they were coming under their car or um, what, but everybody just kind of started slowly kind of scooting back. Um, and then at some point, everybody just started running. Um, and still at that point, really not knowing what was going on, um, I start running as well. Um, I'm very fortunate to be kind of near that exit um, and ran up the stairs. That's when I saw Miss Miller, who um, taught biology Uh, she was really great. She unfortunately passed away uh, when I was in college, um, but just another one of those teachers that was able to really connect with students and, and did a great thing. And she um, she's up at the top of the stairs, just telling students to run out towards this exit. Um, and um, just really remember her just kind of, um, she just had a really... Uh, calm demeanor in all things. She didn't seem to get um, riled up about a lot of things. And uh, in that, on that day was really helpful and just guiding students out of what's going on, just telling them, just telling them to get out of the, get out of the school. I was with the friend who um, was sitting with his sister and at the same table that we were. And um, he noticed that she wasn't running with him. So He wanted to turns around to go and get her. And um, I, I told him not to go back um, and he didn't. And he ran with me out um, and his sister was fine. She got out safe too. Um, when I was at the very top of the stairs is when I heard a lot of gunshots um, or what I thought was gunshots and um, just really loud and quick succession. And still at that point, I mean, it, it Obviously, I've never heard a gun shot other than in the movie, so it, it didn't. Um, you know, you're still confused about really what was going on. And then we ran just down this this hallway, which kind of was the entire length of the school. It opened up to um, the street in front of the school. Um, and then from there, there's a park that's across the street from Columbine. Um, just kind of, we all kind of milled around out there for a while and really just still not understanding what's going on. It, it's just not on your mind that there's somebody in your school shooting. 
And, um, and then it just like, as more people are coming out, <clears throat> you know, it's clear that this is something that's a little bit more serious and people were really just very scared. And even being near the school in that park, everybody was very scared thinking that, you know, not knowing how many people are shooting or, um, if they're following us or anything like that. And so at some point, a lot of the students just started walking into this neighborhood that's right by the school. And, um, we ended up in the basement of a, of just a person's house, maybe about 20 or 30 of us in this basement. And, um, they had a TV and so they, they turned on the TV and we were just kind of waiting for things. But then it took quite a while for something to pop up on the news, um, <clears throat> while we were just kind of waiting to see what was, what was going on, if it was a prank or if it was, um, something more serious. And then when we were down there, that's when news reports started coming in about a shooting at, at Columbine. Um, and then, <clears throat> and then I, 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 I know I made it home. Um, I, I'm, I've tried to remember about how I got home. I definitely could have walked home. I lived within, you know, it was probably about, you know, a mile and a half to walk home. And, you know, I walked a lot to, to school. Um, but I do remember, uh, getting home. Um, my parents didn't have a television, so I went to my next door neighbor's house to just to watch the news. And then I, I think I just watched the news for just the rest of the day. Um, yeah, just, it was, it was just, it was just kind of surreal. At, at that point, people weren't really knowing what was going on. And I remember, um, the sheriff got on TV and, um, he had said something like he thought that there were 25 bodies in the school. And that's when I just kind of thought like that this was something that was really, really bad. Um, obviously 25 people didn't die that day, but it was, I mean, that was kind of when it got really, yeah, just very real. Um, and it took forever to, um, really identify everybody because they wanted to notify the families first and they wanted to, you know, make sure that, and, you know, obviously the whole thing took place, you know, on television too. And it took forever for them just to even get into the, into the building. And so there's just a lot of unknowns. And so we're just all watching this unfold on TV. And that was all, that was all the information we had because we didn't, you know, we didn't, weren't able to communicate as freely as we are today with everybody connected with their cell phones. It was just, yeah, it, it was just surreal that this was, something that happened and it, it took a few days for me to really like get emotional about it. It just, it just for, for a number of days, it just, it felt like I was just kind of walking through the days and just, you know, being there, but not really taking everything in. And, um, yeah, the, the, the immediate days following afterwards were just surreal and numb, I guess would be the best words for it. Did you know some of the victims? I was classmates with uh, Laura Townsend, you know, just a person that we had interacted with a lot in school. And um, I was also friends with Cassie Bernal, um, was uh, just a, a friend of mine. We were, um, uh, at that time, I was, uh, I was pretty strong into my church and, you know, so was her family. They went to different churches, but, you know, that was something that we connected on and often would and lunches with her in the library or we would walk home um together sometimes she she lived in the neighborhood that was immediately behind the school um and but that was on my way home and so sometimes we'd walk home together um until she you know got to her place um lauren was 
um, you know, she was quiet and very smart. And, um, yeah, I, I always enjoyed, um, being paired up with her on things. We were in the same math class <clears throat> that year and, uh, we'd worked together on a project where it, it was, it was meant to be about, you know, just learning how to code things a little bit in our graphing calculators. And, um, she did a lot of the work because she was, um, smart and, um, kind of the stronger person in that group. <laughs> I just, just remembered her as just, you know, a normal everyday high school student who was just nice and a kind person. Um, I remembered, um, not, not too long before I'd gotten her wisdom teeth taken out. So she had had these bruises on her cheeks that I think she was a little embarrassed about. Um, and, um, was just, yeah, just very quiet, unassuming, just a really nice, a really nice person. And uh, she was actually the first person that I had found out had passed away. Um, then uh, Cassie uh, and I um, were, you know, just good friends and, and enjoyed eating lunch with her or just hanging out with her. Um, she was just, um, yeah, just, just really, really nice. I remember she had gone to prom and I'd seen her at the after prom and just looked like she was just super happy. Like she was just having a great time. She had, um, just a really big smile all the time and just kind of was, um, just a, another quiet person, but really, um, I don't, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, it, it's hard to think about her not being here and just, it just seems unfair sometimes that, you know, just these, you know, people who were just genuinely <clears throat> so nice to, to have this happen to them. It just seems, um, I mean, obviously the, the whole thing is senseless, but, um, it just, it just seems more senseless when, um, you know, it's just particularly nice people like that. Thanks, Shun. Um, can you tell us about living Columbine, living Littleton, living high school life? I was really excited just to just to move on and, and be a college student and just kind of experience life on my own. It was something, you know, you, you're you're an adult and you get to do what you want and you get to, um, you know, set your own rules. And so I think that's something that all high school students really look forward to. I, um, yeah, I, I, I loved going to college. So it was uh, just something I, I really look forward to it. It, it was always dampened by, you know, the, the students that weren't able to go and, and do those things and just kind of the sadness of, you know, knowing that a lot of them have the same excitement of being able to move on and be an adult and to have that cut short for them, um, you know, was really sad. Still to this day, it's, it's affecting. Um, I had mentioned on Reddit that, um, you know, I'd been on both of their hit lists. So there's, there's a lot of guilt that is associated with that to, to feel like, um, I was, you know, responsible, um, in some way or contributed and, um, it's still difficult. Um, you know, a number of years after the, the shooting, um, on each anniversary, it's something that I really think about. And, um, you know, I think about, you know, just everything that, that happened and, uh, it, it still feels like it, the whole thing was very senseless. And I feel like, um, 
I think for the shooters, I think it was about um, just hurting as many people as possible, not necessarily specific people. And so um, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of guilt associated with it. And um, uh, so it still feels like I'm coping with it. I guess that's kind of the long thing. It still feels like it's something where, you know, it's in the back of your mind or, um, you know, it just comes up from time to time, just, you know, thoughts like that. And, um, um, even, you know, 20 plus years later, it's still, you know, affecting and, um, yeah, just something to think about. And did the, uh, the shooting, the tragedy change you as a person? I, I, I think so. It really, um, I mean, just there's some things where, um, you know, just in kind of everyday life, I'm a little bit more cautious about things, just being aware of exits or just being uncomfortable in, in crowded situations. Um, you know, those are just kind of lingering effects. But then otherwise, you know, that feeling I was talking about, uh, like friendships really strengthening afterwards. And I don't know if that was a result of the shooting or if that was something that would have happened naturally as people were you know, leaving to go to college or, or moving on from their parents' place. Um, but I feel like I've tried to just be a little bit more intentional with my friendships. And um, if a person pops in my mind, um, I'll reach out to them and, you know, just say a quick hello, just thinking like, you know, you just never know if you're going to talk to them again or um, if there's going to be another, you know, if a moment is going to go by and um, you haven't haven't connected with them in a while and it's something you would regret not talking to them if you um just let that kind of moment slip by so um those are just kind of things i feel kind of linger from how the shooting affected me and how were your views on the world on mankind on humanity um changed by uh, the tragedy i i don't know it i, I mean i don't know if like at that at that age, like I was having big thoughts like that, really. <laughs> um, I mean, it it still seems surreal that something like this could have happened. And on one end, there's just that incredible difficulty and evil, but then just the real outpouring of support from the community. Almost everybody had left all of their backpacks or whatever was in their lockers uh, there, so we didn't have any school supplies or any of our textbooks and so there were a lot of school supplies that were donated which was really nice there were um a group had made a bunch of blankets for every student which was really nice i i don't know if i still have it or if my if it's at my parents house but just a lot of things and there were counseling services that were available um so it, it just caught me of it where you're experiencing on one hand just this you know terrible tragedy and then on the flip side you see you know, all the support and all the love and all of the, the good things that you know, just kind of pop out uh, as a result of that. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it just changed a, a view of humanity necessarily, but it really kind of maybe just highlighted how things can be one way and then quickly change to the other way. And at the time, how did your family help you deal with uh, the tragedy? I think they did a good job of just kind of giving me some space and allowing me to go and be around people that were going to be helpful and, and be with friends and, you know, just gave me some space and gave me time and um, just allowed me to just kind of cope with it on my own speed. Okay, thank you, Sean. 
So uh, now, can can we talk a bit about Eric and Dylan? Yeah. Uh, so I specifically remember Eric. Um, we went to junior high together. So the school that fed into Colorado was called King Carl. And Eric was just a normal kid. I mean, just really, I, I, it's hard to describe. I mean, just nice, polite, friendly. Um, nothing really stood out about him. Um, was really just kind of our, our just a normal kid. And we kind of, we hung out in kind of the same circles as, you know, we weren't athletic, uh, we weren't popular. Uh, and so there was just kind of like a subset of kids that were just kind of hung out like that by default. We didn't hung, hang out much outside of school. Um, most of our interactions were at school. So it wasn't, um, I, w- I wouldn't say we were, we were super close. And then it was, it was really like, freshman, sophomore year of high school that he just started getting darker. But at, it again, it just didn't seem strange. It really felt like, you know, there were a lot of kids that were expressing themselves in different ways, um, especially in, in the way you dress or just kind of who you've become. There are a lot of, a lot of people have changed their types of personality or the way they dressed or the people they hung out with. It wasn't you know, there was a lot of fluidity there. So it didn't, it didn't seem strange at the time at all. Um, there were a lot of kids that kind of were in that same spectrum of angst and the way they dressed and, and, and everything. So it, you know, obviously looking back, it's, it's, um, something that, you know, is distinctive, but as it's happening, you don't even think about it very much. Um, and generally it's, you know, the change is pretty, gradual to it. It wasn't like one day he just walked in wearing completely different clothes and acted differently. It just seemed like over several months and years, it, it just kind of just got darker. And then, you know, we stopped being friends really, um, around that time we had classes together and interacted in, in school and, and really didn't have any real I- issues. Um, there was one time in our, our German class, we, we took German together. So it was German wasn't one of the more popular classes. So I think there were only one or two classes offered per year. So it was pretty frequent that we would end up in the same class and we took a lot of classes together, but I remember us getting in just a yelling argument one day in class over, I, I don't even remember what it was. Uh, I mean, something stupid probably and. Beyond that, I, I just can't think of a, a reason. I, I don't know. I mean, just you know, a, a reason for such hatred, and um, or, or or really what happened. And then Dylan, I I really liked, and I I I thought Dylan was, you know, just a quiet kid that was creative and really just nice. He was always smiling and. It was just a, a shock to me as well. He wasn't a friend outside of school, but we had a lot of classes together and worked on projects together. And he was helpful if I needed help, and I helped him on some things. And it really wasn't didn't seem like there was any animosity or anything like that. And really, yeah, just a nice kid. And just kind of going back to topics of being bullied, like I did see him get made fun of for, um, being just kind of like a tall, just a little bit uncoordinated and 
we, we all had gym classes and people made fun of him for just the way he shot a basketball or, or anything, but it really, you know, a lot of people were being made fun of. And it, again, just kind of going back to that thing where it doesn't necessarily feel weird when you're kind of experiencing it and going through it and, and experiencing it every day or just kind of living through it. Um, but looking back, especially knowing some of the, the times where I really felt uncomfortable going to school, just from some of the teasing that I had experienced, uh, I imagine he probably had a lot of the same difficulties as, as well. It, it, it's clear that they definitely had some difficult times, uh, just from some of the, the instances of, of where they were bullied, but I, I never had seen it personally myself other than when I saw Dylan being, you know, made fun of. And that was, we were at gym together as a freshman. So that, that was many years before, um, you know, everything, everything happened. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The, the bullying thing is, is, is something I, I, I think about a lot because I think it took a while for me to really think of it as bullying instead of just kind of a, like a normal everyday thing that just happened at school. And I think it just took some time and space and some other things to kind of show that that, that stuff wasn't normal. Um, you know, when you, when it's something that you're just kind of going through, you just think of it as normal and, and don't really give it much of a, a second thought. Uh, we were just with Eric in a, a history class and his group demonstrated like just a mummification technique. And that was what their group chose to do. And so what they did was they, him, his classmates like brought Eric out, like they held him and he was just in, like he was just in gym shorts and kind of put him on a table and wrapped him in toilet paper or paper towels just to, but like you know kind of did all of the other things that went along with the mumming technique and i mean it just stood out to me and especially in retrospect just thinking like that that was a very brave thing to do to be shirtless in front of your peers like that and he was very skinny and i mean just very very it, it, i don't know if i would do that today <laughs> and it was um, it just, it sticks out with me and kind of in tandem with Dylan's one where he just got very impassioned on, on reading, um, a passage out of a book that we were reading and very, and I guess it kind of comes back to that conformity thing where it seems, you know, there was such a pressure to just fit in and, um, not really, you know, try too hard or, you know, stand out too much. Um, and with Eric doing, doing that was just such a, just, it seemed very, it just seemed so strange at the time. Um, and then when I, when I look back and think about that situation, I just wonder sometimes if he just like had stopped caring at that point, if it was something where, you know, he thought like, you know, if anybody's gonna make fun of me for this, you know, I'll show them later or if it was just something that was just out of his mind at that point and then with with dylan being very vulnerable because he was a quiet kid too he was very i wouldn't say shy but he just didn't really like seek a lot of attention sat in the back of the class um was was a good student but didn't really go out of his way to participate a lot and for him to really go up there and just like bear everything, um, in that reading and that creative writing class was again, just something that 
themes at the time, it just something that sticks in my mind right now of, of something that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it I, I'm not certain why it, those two specific instances stick out. It just seemed just so out of the ordinary. Eric definitely seemed to be kind of more of, I don't want to say leader on the, on these things, but just kind of maybe the stronger personality in the relationship, just because I think he was just, just was a little bit more dark on the outside. Dylan is still at times in my classes that I had with him was, you know, still smiling a lot and still just being like a, a friendly, helpful, quiet student. And, um, Eric always seemed to be just frowning and, and grumpy and, and dark and morose and all of those things. And so it, it seemed like that was more, more of Eric's thing. And Dylan was his friend, but it wasn't, it just seemed like it consumed him as much as, you know, maybe it did with Eric. Um, I mean, there were always, always together in class, not in classes, but I mean, you know, just walking the hallways together. And then, you know, if you see them hanging outside, outside of school, they were always together, but it, it seemed like definitely Eric was kind of the, the stronger personality of the, the two of them. I knew it was them. Um, when they showed like a picture of what they thought the, the shooter's car was, and I recognized Eric's car. Um, and then I just assumed Dylan was along with him because they were always together, but it just seemed even then it seemed just difficult that, um, either of them would, would do something like this. And, um, yeah, just it, yeah, it's, it's still hard to think about. So. And after the shootings up to now, mm -hmm. how, uh, did your feelings e evolve? It's, it's hard. Um, I mean, it really, it, it, it still is kind of just a, a disbelief. I do remember afterwards, you know, just, just a lot of hatred and just anger and it's never reached a point of where like, I mean, like, I, I don't feel like I was victimized enough to have to be like a forgiving sort of thing, like a, a forgiving kind of moment. So it's always just been kind of like, it's a terrible thing that they did and it's upsetting and angry. And, and angering and I, it just doesn't feel like it's evolved past that. It's just always been the same. And I guess as years have gone on, it's, you know, the, the anger and the sadness and all those other feelings just kind of get muted a little bit, but it's, there's no way trying to understand it or trying to, you know, really think about things from their perspective. It's always just, um, they they did a, a terrible, awful thing, and I'm I wish it hadn't happened. Obviously, I, I still struggle with kind of that that thought about the people that died that day or were killed that day, and and what responsibility I might have had just contributing towards um, you know just whatever landed me on that hit list, and it's something I I've talked about with counselors and not really come to a good resolution about. And it really, um, you know, that's what kind of led me to go on the Columbine subreddit to really just kind of investigate it more and, and get, try to get a little bit more at peace with that. But it really is, um, still something that, you know, despite all of the, the things that I've looked into and telling myself that it was, you know, a senseless, senseless tragedy, it, it still feels a little bit difficult. Um, on that level. And then I think a lot about Lauren and 
Cassie and just especially, you know, on that Columbine, I probably should get off that Columbine subreddit, but you know, they, they post pictures of, of them on their birthdays and, you know, you just think about the life that they could have had, you know, I'm, I'm 41 years old and all of these students would have had kids or gone to college or had all of these experiences and how fortunate I've been to be able to have these. And they, they sadly were all cut short. And, um, I just kind of think about all that time that's been lost to them and, you know, all the good times that I've had, you know, having kids and having a nice life and, you know, all the friendships that I have and relationships I have and that that's something that they've missed out on. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's very sad. Thank you so much for sharing, Sean. And can you share about uh, going to the reunion? Yeah, I thought the reunion was great. Um, I was, you know, a little bit nervous. I hadn't been to any other reunions. Um, they had, a, I think they had a five-year and a 10-year one. And yeah, just enjoyed it. it. It felt like the shooting wasn't really something that was talked about a whole lot. It really felt like it was just kind of like a, a backdrop to the... Um, you know, just in the background instead of being something that was really in the foreground. And it was just really nice to reconnect with a lot of people that I hadn't seen in person in a long time. And then the next day we were able to actually go get a tour of the school, which was, which was nice to see. I hadn't been, I'd been back once after the shooting, they had given an opportunity to kind of have a tour of the school. I don't know if it was given by police, but there was still you know, it was still like in a very raw state, like, um, you know, damage was still like they had swept up all the glass, but like there were bullet holes everywhere and like divots in the carpet, not in the carpet, but in the flooring, they had ripped up all the carpet, but, um, where like, I guess pipe bombs had gone off or other things that happened. And, uh, so I had never, I hadn't been back to the school since that time, which was immediately afterwards. And so it was nice to see how they had changed things. The cafeteria, you know, the, the library was right above the cafeteria. And so they took out the library completely. And so now it's just a big, like, open area. But it was also nice to see, you know, where things hadn't changed. It was really a nice experience to be able to just, you know, be with other people who had a similar experience and just uh, be like, you know, just even talk about your feelings of it all these years later and to make you feel like you're not alone and, and knowing that it's still like impactful, you know, that other people think about it a lot. You know, it's not something that just is, um, you know, I've been forgotten about or you're not weird for still thinking about it or being affected by it, that it's, it's okay that, you know, you're still might not have coped with everything completely or resolved everything completely, that it's still kind of a, a lot of people are in that same state as you are. So, um, I really enjoyed going and I think it was 2023. So the five, 25 year reunion comes up. I think I'll plan on going to that if, um, if they're going to plan one of those. And can you share a bit about the person you are now? Yeah. Um, so I, I went to college and I uh, got married and had three great kids and I work for most of my time, I worked in a mental health field doing crisis work. Um, I worked on a, a suicide hotline and a psychiatric facility and then was part of a mobile crisis team for a long time and then i switched to doing housing stuff so now now i work with uh homeless individuals specifically uh homeless youth uh here in texas and yeah it's been great i enjoy my life right now i have 
just amazing kids and a great partner and everything seems to things are things are things are good and those are your interest in uh, the mental health uh, field, is it linked to Columbine, you think? I don't know. I've thought about that a lot. It's hard to say because um, when I, I graduated from college with a degree in sociology, I was working overnight at a psychiatric crisis facility. And so that was just kind of my first job, my first real job that required a degree. Um, I've got kind of a, I'm a calm demeanor. I, the crisis doesn't necessarily stress me out a, a terrible amount. And so I think I probably would have been in a similar situation if Columbine hadn't happened. I, it, it's nice to help people and it, it just, it feels good when you, and when you help somebody out. So it's, that's just something that's always been there. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to describe what I probably was like back then. I wasn't like <laughs> doing a lot of volunteer activities in high school or, or growing up, but it just afterwards, it just kind of, you know, becoming an adult, it just kind of felt like a natural thing to kind of fit into that role. And it, it's been helpful just, you know, having a calm demeanor in, in a lot of those situations, you know, just helps people out when they're, when they're at their worst, when they're having suicidal thoughts or, you know, just having a crisis or homeless or anything like that. Um, homelessness, it's, it's nice just to work with somebody that is, you know, a calming presence instead of somebody that's gonna, you know, make things worse for them. Can you uh, share your views uh, on the evolution of society since Columbine uh, and how school shootings keep happening? Yeah, I, I I wish I knew. I think it's it's a such a hard thing to explain or try to try to figure out because it really is such an American thing. I know I know these things happen in in other schools around the world, but it's such a such a rare thing to be, why is it, why is it just America? Um, obviously we've got too many guns, uh, in America, which I think doesn't help, but I don't think it explains everything. I don't know if there's just like a, it's part of our culture or if it's part of, there's a mystique or there's a, the way our, our news portrays it. I think it's become a little bit better. It, it seems like there's less focus on the shooters now when there's reporting about these tragedies, but you know, obviously details about them still come out. But I do remember after, after Columbine, there was a lot, it seemed like there was a lot more focus on Eric and Dylan than there were on anybody else. And I think that that, you know, it, it's, it's just hard to say, you know, even, even now it's, it's, it's still unbelievable that this happened. Um, but obviously for some people, it's an alluring opportunity for them to become famous or to express themselves or to get revenge or or do any of these things. I mean, I, I guess I guess it's an easy opportunity here in America too, with just our access to guns and the way it's treated afterwards, where it's just another shocking tragedy. But then um, we just seem to move on and and then just wait until the next one happens, and we just hope that it. It's not going to be our kids this next time. And that doesn't, it doesn't really, I don't know. I have a, I have a friend that, um, him and his family live in Norway, um, but they've been here in Texas for a while, but they're moving back to Norway because they don't want specifically school shootings. They don't want, you know, if I had the opportunity as well to guarantee, you know, essentially guarantee that my kids would never have to worry about a school shooting, I would, I would take that opportunity. And that's what they're doing because it's something they don't want to live with. I mean, especially after the Uvalde shooting and there's always 
new new ones coming up that are just each tragedy seems worse than the previous one and we just i don't know just like absorb it and move on and i i, I don't know why we do that instead of enacting change or trying new things or doing something different we just kind of seem to do the same thing over and over again and until it happens over and over again and then in france i i don't know if there's been a school shooting like this or never i think we just didn't have gun violence school shootings we didn't know anything about it uh I couldn't identify um, gunshots yeah. if I yeah. heard them because we just didn't have them. Yeah, and that's wonderful. I wish it was for ourselves here in the United States that way. Um, but we just, I mean, it, guns are obviously the way that these, these all happen, but I think there's got to be some cultural thing to where it's, in France, it's unacceptable. Like it just, it, it would be unacceptable if something like that happened. And here it seems like, It's just part of being here, like just part of the risks. Like the risk is low, but we just need to hope that it just doesn't happen to us. But I know in other countries, they enact very tough legislation after tragedies like this, like in Canada and Australia, um, they confiscate guns and they, they ban certain things. And here we just can't get any, any traction for those sort of things. But I think even, even with that, there's, there's something about just the American culture that that just kind of seems to foster these things and I, I don't I don't know what that is um and it's yeah it's it's just unfortunate are you uh, optimistic about uh, a possibility for a change no <laughs> no no um I mean the change that I think has happened is out outside of that with just the way that my kids have grown up in a, in a time where bullying is really unacceptable and those sort of, you know, being able to express yourself, uh, is not, and, and not be conforming is not seen as a way to, you know, not a reason to be an outcast, um, you know, something to be accepted. So, um, there's not necessarily such a, uh, pressure to conform. Um, so you can be yourself and, and you have your own friend group and, and everybody's okay with it. And no one's really making fun of you or, or ostracizing you because everybody's just kind of allowed to be what they want to be. And it's accepted. This isn't a worry anymore. How do you think we can help our kids, uh, love life, believing their lives to value life? With my own kids, it's really just kind of just really, really listening to them and just trying to treat them as if you are, you know, if they're equal or you've got, they've got interesting perspectives or ideas or thoughts, um, interests, um, and really, really support all of those things in them. And I, I think the less you can feel disconnected from your friends or your family or your parents or anything like that, the, you know, just the better you're going to feel like, you know, that senior year when I was feeling a lot of strong connections with people and, and looking back on that time fondly and, and with good memory, if you, if we had more of that and, and we really were able to just kind of foster, you know, those feelings, you know, I think kids would just feel a little bit better about themselves and about their life and just letting them know that it's, it's going to be fine and, and things are going to hopefully work themselves out. And if not, you know, you've got your dad to help you out. And uh, what would you say? To a kid uh, feeling 
overwhelmed by that, by how bleak the world can seem. Yeah, that it, it really does get better. I've talked with people, I've met with them for several years, where my first interaction with them was when they had tried to kill themselves. And it really, it really does get better. And it really, it can be something where there's, there's a lot of support for you. And if, and if you are able to seek out that support and get that, that right support over time, things can get better. And it's, there's going to be, you know, crummy days and there's going to be a lot of days where it feels really bleak, but it really does get better. And that support is out there and seeking that support is going to be something that's going to really help you get through. Is there any message you want to convey about anything? Yeah, I mean, just like if, if you are really feeling outcast or really in despair or really, you know, helpless about a situation or just there's just a, a lot of resources and maybe just reach out to a teacher that you really do trust and, and just can talk with them a little bit about your feelings and just really understand it. It does get better and there are people out there that really do care for you and want to support you, even if they don't know you, who you are right now. There are people that are going to be in your life in the future that are thankful that you're here and are thankful that you're alive and uh, in this world and doing good things. Thank you so much for listening to Columbine, them, and you, and me, and everybody. Take care, and you'll be hearing from us again very soon.